is there a wellspring of empathy and creativity that we could tap into in order to co-create a more equitable and peaceful world for ourselves and non-human animals. Our guest today on In Context thinks there might be. I'm Patrice Jones, and I'm Zooming to you from the grounds of Vine Sanctuary, an LGBTQ-led refuge for farmed animals that works for social and environmental justice, as well as animal liberation. My guest today is Anna Barini, who is the Humane Education Coordinator at Vine Sanctuary. Because the topic today is humane education, I'm thinking about a little lamb called Lucky, who came to the sanctuary only a couple of months ago. And the day that she came, and for several days after she came, no one could get any work done because her face was so unnaturally cute. Every lamb is cute. But this lamb, this lamb has such a perfectly cute face that everyone was staring at her instead of doing their work just to try and figure out how is it so cute the way she chews. Of course, as a very young animal, who had just come to the sanctuary with her family, she was initially really timid and most of the time just stayed really close to her mother and even hid behind her mother. But in the weeks since, Lucky has felt more comfortable within the safety of the sanctuary and that has allowed her curiosity to emerge and her wish to get to know others, including others who are very different than she is. So, since Vine's Humane Education Program aims to create the same kind of situation for children, that's why Lucky's going to be on my mind as I'm talking with Anna Barini, the animal care team member and humane education coordinator at Vine Sanctuary. Anna, thank you so much for talking to me at a time when you normally would be doing other things. Oh, you're welcome, Patrice. Thanks so much for having me. Now, Vine Sanctuary has two different humane education programs, Pasture Pals, which is an on-site program for local children and youth, and Barnyard Buddies, which is a virtual program that you initiated and that anybody anywhere in the world can sign up to join. So can you tell our listeners and watchers about that? So Barnyard Buddies started in, was it 2018? Yeah, because that was the year I started. And it's a program where classrooms, Girl Scout troops, homeschooling kiddos become buddies with one of the animals at the sanctuary. And through that relationship that they build with the animal, whoever that might be, like Lucky this year is one of our buddies. They learn about the sanctuary. They learn about their buddy. And they also learn about topics like climate change or food, how animals communicate with each other, how we communicate with each other, and that it runs the full length of the school year. So kids get a really great opportunity to, to learn and be creative throughout the year. So the way this works is that, say, a classroom or perhaps a homeschooling pod or a Girl Scout troop adopts an animal at the sanctuary who will then be their buddy for the whole school year, right? 
And then what, once every month, they get a humane education lesson from you, as well as an update on their buddy? So every month they get an update on their buddy that includes photos and videos, stories about what their buddy's doing. They also learn about different members of the sanctuary. We kind of start with the families or best friends of their buddy and then move out from there and they get to meet others. And then they also get a humane education lesson. So this month is their first month and they're just meeting their buddies. And the, the lesson is all about welcoming everyone, but also where did their buddy come from? Because, you know, cows aren't native to the United States or North America, but they came over during colonization. And we talk about where their buddy came from. We talk about who they descended from and why they're here now. Um, and this is all done in an age appropriate way. But it's really interesting to find out, you know, pigs didn't come to the United States until the 1500s. And the kiddos get to learn that. And the kids who are in the program or the classrooms who are in the program, that's that runs from like preschool through fifth grade, right? Correct. And the teacher signs up with you and then you take care of the rest. I take care of the rest. Absolutely. And the reason I'm asking this is because there might be somebody listening or watching who's like, wow, I wish that my child's class could do this. Or maybe there's even a teacher listening in who'd be like, oh, I'd like my classes to do this. And if they wanted to do that, how would they get in touch with you? They would email me at Anna at VineSanctuary.org and just let me know they're interested. And if they didn't remember your email address, they could just go to VineSanctuary.org and use contact us and they'd get you. It would get to me. Absolutely. Okay, perfect. Now, one of the things you do with the kids in Barnyard Buddies is they come to the sanctuary for virtual field trips. They do. So we've had classrooms as far away as New Zealand. Obviously, they can't come for a field trip because they're halfway across the world. So instead, they get virtual field trips. This year, I'm excited to say that we have quite a few local classrooms who will actually get to visit the sanctuary. But everybody gets the option of going on some type of field trip to meet their buddy and see them interacting with the animals, see the sanctuary, they get a little tour, they get to ask questions, and they get to get a little bit more of a deeper feel for what the community is really like. You've done these field trips a lot. Yes. And do th what's the reaction of the kids like? They are so curious. They just want to know. And it's like once someone asks a question, you can't stop them. I tell teachers, depending on the age, they usually last about 20 to 30 minutes. But most of the time we go to 40 minutes to an hour because the kids are just so excited. They want to know everybody's name. They want to know where they came from. They want to know their age. What are they eating? What are they doing? My most eccentric question was, do ducks have Olympics? And we discussed how I don't know if they have Olympics because I can't ask them. I don't speak duck. Maybe they do have something like an Olympics. Maybe they don't. Are they competitive? So these questions range from really basics like, oh, who is that? To these really deep questions about communication or family or just community in general. And, and we really run the gamut. And it, it's, it just depends on how creative the class wants to be that day and how engaged they are, which most of them really, really are.
And then you provide like follow-up activities that they can do in the classroom that might involve artwork or writing prompts, things like that. Yeah, so each class gets an update every month, but they also get some resources. So they range from preschool this month is getting a counting activity, second and third grade is getting a handwriting activity, and the fourth and fifth grade class has a reading comprehension worksheet that tells them about the history of Vine, and then they also have a creative writing prompt. So depending on your age level, you get all sorts of resources and teachers can make them use them when they're teaching in their class. They can send them home as something else to do. You know, it just depends on, on what the teacher wants. Now, it's a it's a it's sort of a truism in education that when you're teaching, you're also learning. And so you've been doing this for a few years now interacting with these kids introducing them to their buddies reading them stories as part of barnyard story time taking them on virtual tours hearing all of their amazing questions about duck olympics and that makes me so curious as to, to know what you've learned I think I've learned just how creative humans can be. I think I had forgotten. Maybe I forgot because adulthood kind of just wears it out of you. But they're so kids are so creative and their minds are so elastic and they want to ask these deep questions and really understand. And it made me think I have to think, you know, a couple steps ahead. So with the Duck Olympics, I was I wasn't expecting that. You never know what they're going to say. And so then I had to be creative in my answer because that was the answer. The answer can't just be no, because it's not, I don't know. I literally don't know if ducks have Olympics. So just being creative and, and making it so that they can be creative. I try to think about that when I, when I craft the resources for the teachers, I want those I want the students to really flex that creative muscle, which then in turn makes me have to flex my creative muscles, which it's just a great, it's just great. I love being creative and I love how they have taught me to kind of open up my mind to creativity. And do you find that the kids are, do they have feelings about the animals? Oh my gosh, they have so many feelings. They truly, really love their buddy by the end of the school year. I mean, they love their buddy from the jump. I've never met a class that's like, uh, I'm not really into this. But they they come to see themselves as active members of the community. And when someone new comes, they celebrate that. When the winter is hard, they feel that too. And so they really work on drawing from these deep wells of empathy that they have. And what I'm hoping is that they kind of save that. I think that a lot of times as we grow older, the empathy well kind of dries up. We don't, we don't see maybe, we don't have that empathy that we used to as kids. We don't have that longing to like reach out for others and understand. And so, yeah, they have lots of feelings and they really express them as well. You know, they, you know, when they're excited about their animal, you know, when they're sad, 
when they find out maybe their origin story or how they came to the sanctuary, they feel deeply. And I think it gives them an outlet for those feelings as well. You know, we all have a lot of feels and sometimes we don't have a place to put them. And Barnyard Buddies kind of gives them a chance to express that emotion through maybe their creative writing essay or some, we do art projects a lot. You know, they can kind of get that out through art. So we really try to encourage those feelings as well. I mean, it sounds like, like it occurs to me that, that, that in, in the so-called normal course of socialization, that kids are, whether overtly or covertly, encouraged to suppress their feelings in general, um, and particularly their empathy and sympathy for animals, if not to suppress it, to channel it into really, really narrow confines. Like you can care about your pet dog, but you can't care about the cow that your hamburger was made out of. And and you're a baby if you do, or if you're a boy, maybe you're a sissy if you do. And so it seems to me that not just this program that you're talking about here at Vine Sanctuary, but all of the various humane education programs that both sanctuaries and, and other animal advocacy organizations do is kind of the opposite. Instead of instead of trying to teach kids to suppress their feelings, you're trying to give students the opportunity to feel and express their feelings and and to continue to feel empathy and sympathy for others and 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 to do that in ways that are that are that are useful for themselves in the world. Yeah, exactly. And and is it is it and it seems to me that you're also teaching other values like respect for differences. Absolutely, I think it all starts with empathy, and it grows out from there. You know, we talk a lot about how difference is what makes our community strong, and that different ideas are important, and that listening is important. That learning is important and continuing to learn and and discovery. So it starts at empathy, but it doesn't stop there. It keeps going. And I think the beautiful thing about humane education is that in the case of the sanctuary, I might be the person that collates information and kind of puts it together, but the animals are really co-teachers and the kids are too, because they kind of dictate the learning themselves as well with their questions and with their curiosity and with the way that they interact when they're on site with the animals. So it's very collaborative. And I think that's another thing they have to learn is, you know, collaboration isn't always easy and it can be, it can be, it's, it's a skill. And it's something that they learn throughout the program as well is, is working together and how working together is, important for building community. Wow, I'm having I'm having so many thoughts listening to you talk about this. And on the on the one train of thought I'm having is that clearly these kinds of efforts are are can be really important in terms of the things that animal advocates are trying to do. And and I want to come back to that because I want I want your ideas about how animal advocates 
even if they're not teachers or working at a sanctuary, might incorporate these insights into their own work. But it also occurs to me that all of these things that you're listing, whether it's empathy, the messiness of working within community and having to work it out, the importance of listening, the importance of constantly learning, of creativity, these are all things that are absolutely essential for democracy. These are all things that we actually, all of us, very much need the next generation to be not only good at, but better at than than previous generations have been. And so it seems to me that this kind of work with children, while extremely important in terms of animal advocacy and promoting veganism, also has 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 many knock-on effects that are that are very important for the wider world. Absolutely. I think one of the ways that humane education is so important is it gets the idea that you need to be involved. And, you know, democracy, small d and large d democracy happen because people want to be involved and want to be part of their community and care. And that's kind of what my goal is with humane education is to show kids that you have your your core community of maybe your family, your best friend, your dog, but that your community is much larger than that. It's the birds in the tree outside of your house. It's the lady that is the crossing guard in front of your school. It's the person down the street that you don't know, but that you need to work to make everybody's life better. And so it's that idea of working together. And like you said, I think it does have repercussions for later on in their life that hopefully by having this basis at a younger age, that then they'll want to be involved later on. So it it seems like you have discovered in your working with kids something that that I think most of us suspect, which which is that there is this wellspring of sympathy and empathy for animals within kids. They and they want to be friends. Like they especially like their buddy. They want to be friends with animals. They're curious about animals. They care about animals. They're sad if animals are hurt and and they want everybody to get along. And and so I wonder if you have any ideas for for people who are wherever they might be. It might be a small town. It might be a college campus. It might be a big city. They might be a member of a grassroots animal rights group or a vegan society or who knows what, but they're interested in helping to shift our culture away from cruelty to animals and and towards respect for animals and and non-exploitation of animals. How, what, what ways could they use this, do you think? I think something that kids can teach us is the idea of trying to, is how they look at the world. Everything is exciting. Everything is new. They have this wellspring of empathy. And I think that sometimes within any movement, we kind of get blinders on and we're so focused on whatever it is we're working towards. You know, maybe it's the end of animal testing or it's bringing more vegan food to your community. And we stop listening and learning because we're so focused on our goal. And if we can learn anything from humane education, it's that we have to stay creative and we have to be open to our community. 
So that means listening to other ideas. It means taking tactics from other people's activist toolkit, you know? We all have this toolkit that we can pull from and sometimes the tool is going to work and sometimes it's not going to, but that doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means that you need to be curious and creative about how you're going about those things. And I think that the other thing that kids can give us is hope. I think a lot of times activists get beat down. We live in a carnist society. We live in a society that is exploiting the earth, that is exploiting animals, and it can be a lot. But kids have this sense that the world is great and beautiful and interesting. And I think that that's something we can take from them is looking at it with that lens of hope. You know, you can be realistic and understand that this fight that you're in is difficult and it can really wear on you. But at the same time, like, you got to be creative and you have to look and try and find what you're fighting for and have that hope that something can change. Because if you don't, what are we working for then? And it occurs to me that it might be useful. I think wherever you are, there's probably, if you look out the window or around, you're going to find something that would be fascinating to a child. And I wonder if if you could, if allowing yourself to be fascinated by those things might not be pretty helpful in terms of maintaining your own morale. So often, I think, whatever problems we're trying to solve, we often, you know, we're focused on the problem and our messaging is often focused on the problem as opposed to, I'm not, I'm having a hard time finding words for this, but I feel like maybe there are ways to, to, one, pay more attention to kids themselves, if especially if you're doing something like picketing at a zoo or a circus with messages that that tap into their inherent empathy and sympathy and wanting to be friends with animals. And I wonder also if if there's not at least a piece of everybody who feel that feels that way still, even if it's been all smashed down and covered with calluses through socialization. And I, I wonder if it might not be possible sometimes to to call out to that in in adults as well, especially those, but not exclusively, who are parents. I think, I think you're totally right. I think that we all have, we all have the capacity to be empathetic inside of us. But like you said, it becomes calloused over time. We don't want to reach in that well. It's there. You just have to tap into it. And the beautiful thing about children is that they don't have that yet. They're just willing to go out in the world and kind of put it all on the line and and love really hard. And want to be friends with animals and, and just be where adults, you know, we want to fit into societal norms. We want to go, you know, we don't want to go against the current. You just kind of want to put your head down and get through life. And sometimes what that does is it beats you down, but it also makes it so that you forget joy. And I think that joy is something we can really pull from kids. You know, we give out pencils a lot and There is nothing like giving a pencil to a six-year-old because they act like you just handed them a million dollars. And I think that that's something we can all take from little kids is that joy. It's a pencil. It's really not that big of a deal. 
but to them, it's huge. And so finding those moments, I think, especially if you're doing activism, if you're working towards a better world, it's really hard. (laughs) And I know something that they've taught me is to find that joy. Sanctuary work is difficult. And there are times, especially in like February in Vermont, when I don't want to do what I have to do, I don't want to pull my boots on in the morning. I don't want to go outside. But I, I try to think to myself, okay, if I was a if I was a third grader, how cool would it be that I get to wake up in the morning, go play in the snow, and I get to hang out with cows? Well, I try to put it into that perspective. And I think that that's something we can all learn is to take that joy and try to incorporate it into our daily lives. Well, I think that's just beautiful and a a perfect way for us to end. You've been listening or watching In Context. I'm Patrice Jones of Vine Sanctuary, and I've been talking with Anna Barini of Vine Sanctuary. This is the first of what will be a three-part series on humane education, looking at how can we teach kids, but also how can we learn from kids and what can we learn from kids that will help us to become better advocates for animals and better community members ourselves. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks to Anna Barini for spending time with me. Thanks to our producer, Sarah Jane Blum. If you like this show, please like, share, and subscribe. And thank you for all that you're going to do with what you learned today. Bye.